If you're a child of God, any present suffering that you experience is just that, present. I'm not being trite with the pain that you feel, but while suffering might test your faith now, it never calls into question the promise of God for you. God promises you a glorious future in His presence. That promise is assured by your all-powerful God. Nothing you experience now can change that. Here's Stephen Davy to teach you more. Around 4,000 years ago, the Lord gave some promises to Abraham's descendants. Those uh, promises included land, land we know today as Israel. Well, at this point in our study, through the book of Ezekiel, the Jewish people are no longer in that promised land. They're exiles in the land of Babylon. Their homeland has been decimated. Uh, Jerusalem has been burned to the ground. But as bad as that seems, and as unlikely as it seems uh, for God's promises to, to ever come true, Ezekiel begins to prophesy of a glorious future for Israel in this land of promise. The prophecy of Ezekiel chapter 38 and chapter 39 offers a divine assurance that ultimately Israel will indeed possess this land forever. They don't yet, but they will one day. Now, these chapters describe for us a future invasion of Israel and God's miraculous defense of his chosen people. This is an amazing prophecy here, but it does raise a number of questions. The first question is this. When does this all take place? Well, down here in verse 8 of chapter 38, we're told it takes place in the latter years or the latter days, verse 16 puts it that way. Now, this, this points us to the end times. Since nothing in history matches what's described here, we know it's still in the future. But okay, when (laughs) in the future? Well, verse 8 tells us that it takes place when Israel will dwell securely in their land. So does this reference to war here in in this chapter describe uh, the final battle of Armageddon? No, it doesn't. Neither is it the Satan-led rebellion described over in Revelation chapter 20, even though we find the names of Gog and Magog both there and here in Ezekiel 38. Well, let me, let me just help uh, by pulling over for a few moments here and setting forth what I believe is the proper chronology of God's plan for the end times. And when this battle, referred to here in Ezekiel chapter 38, is going to fit into that picture. If you're a Wisdom Journey partner or would like to be, this timeline is provided in the transcript for today's lesson. But let me just sort of deliver verbally uh, the timeline. First, the Lord Jesus is going to come in the clouds for his church. That is, all born-again believers of this church age we're living in right now that's been going on for the past 2,000 years since the church was created on the day of Pentecost back in Acts chapter 2. Those believers who have died during the church age will have their bodies raised from the dead, reunited with their spirits, which have been with the Lord uh, all this time, 
Then Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that all the rest of the believers who are still alive at that time will be snatched from the earth to join the Lord in the clouds and be taken to the Father's house in heaven. We call that event the rapture, and it can happen at any time. It could happen today. Now, following the rapture will be a seven-year period we call the tribulation. It's going to be a time when, when God brings terrifying judgments upon the earth as he prepares the way for Christ's millennial kingdom, which will follow the tribulation. That is when Christ returns, now this time not in the clouds, but he returns all the way to earth. According to Revelation chapter 20, uh, the Lord doesn't return to earth for the believers. Well, we're picturing Jesus, as John describes in, in Revelation 20, returning with believers. And that's because the believers, the redeemed, the church is already with him. Now, the tribulation period, which again follows the rapture, doesn't begin with war. It doesn't begin with destruction or suffering. It actually begins with a powerful world leader emerging on the scene. We know him as the Antichrist, and he originally, initially, brings peace. He makes a covenant that gives Israel security in their land. Now, he's going to break that covenant midway through the tribulation. But during the early part of the tribulation, Israel is going to enjoy a period of time when they will dwell securely in their land. And I believe it's during this period of calm, early in the tribulation, when the attack, the war described here in Ezekiel chapter 38, takes place. By the way, this attack corresponds with the red horse mentioned over in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 4, a a horse that brings a brief time of war against Israel. Now, the next question to answer would be this. Who is it here in Ezekiel 38 that's attacking Israel? Well, the first six verses of Ezekiel chapter 38 give us the answer. It's a coalition of nations uniting to invade Israel. And most of these names are, frankly, unfamiliar to us today. We're told here in verse 2 that the leader will be Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. Well, they're coming out of the north, according to verse 6. I believe the land we know today as Russia there in the north of Israel, is represented by Gog and Magog. Other nations joining in the invasion are Persia, this is uh, modern-day Iran, and Kush, this is modern-day Sudan, along with modern-day Turkey. These are going to form an alliance and march against Israel. Now, here's another question. What's the purpose of this invasion? Well, well, let me tell you, quite frankly, uh, today the religion of Islam is predominant in many of these lands mentioned here that will invade Israel. Islam has a long-standing animosity against Israel, and undoubtedly they're, they're driven by their religion. But uh, there's more to it than religion. In fact, verse 12 tells us they want to seize the spoil and carry off the plunder. In other words, they are coveting the wealth of Israel, which even today, beloved, is far greater than the nations surrounding them. But there's another reason for this attack, and that's revealed again here in Ezekiel's prophecy. 
the Lord says to these nations here in verse 16. I will bring you against my land. See, this is all part of God's plan. Uh, The purpose is not only to draw Israel back to himself, but he says here in verse 16, his purpose includes this, that the nations may know me even through you, O Gog, I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. You see, it's going to be through God's supernatural protection of Israel in this attack that these nations will be given just another undeniable testimony of God's power and holiness. Well, there's a fourth question we need to address, and it's this. What is the outcome of this invasion? And the text is very clear on this. The Lord says here in verse 19 through uh, verse 22, In my blazing wrath I declare, On that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel, and all the people who are on the face of the earth shall quake at my presence, and the mountains shall be thrown down, and the cliffs shall fall, and every wall shall tumble to the ground. I will summon a sword against Gog on all my mountains, declares the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother. With pestilence and bloodshed, I will enter into judgment with him, and I will rain upon him and his hordes and the many peoples who are with him torrential rains and hailstones, fire and sulfur. In other words, the complete destruction of this enemy coalition is going to have a profound effect on Israel herself. In fact, we read here in chapter 39 and verse 22, the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day forward. Oh, let me tell you, Israel will experience a national revival and come to trust the word of God and ultimately believe the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is indeed their true Messiah. So chapter 39 now ends with the final regathering of Israel at the end of the tribulation. And by the way, this perfectly coincides with Jesus Christ's return to earth to establish his millennial kingdom. In fact, God says here in verse 29, I will pour out my spirit upon the house of Israel. Can you just imagine this final scene when the nation of Israel welcomes their Messiah as he as he slowly descends to earth to set up his kingdom. This isn't the quick rapture of the church that's in the twinkling of an eye. This is the slow descent all the way to earth. This is the glorious destiny of Israel described here in these chapters. Well, now in the meantime, Ezekiel prophesies that Israel will face still more suffering and scattering in the centuries ahead. But they can be certain that in the end, God's promise will finally and fully and forever come to pass. Beloved, God's purposes in human history, past, present, and and future, is to bring glory to himself as people recognize that he is the Lord of the universe. Now, I don't know what you're going through uh, today, my friend, but I don't want you to forget. I don't think God wants us to forget. That's why he's given us books like Ezekiel. Don't forget this coming day when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, when he reigns on his throne one day in his kingdom. So let, let's make it our purpose in, in everything we do 
to glorify him and declare to our world that he is Lord of our lives today. Well, until our next wisdom journey, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Stephen called that lesson Divine Intervention. We have a free resource to help you know more about the promise God made you. It's called Blessed Assurance. We're going to email you a free copy upon request. Visit wisdomonline.org forward slash assurance. In this booklet, Stephen deals with the eternal nature of your salvation. Once again, you'll find it at wisdomonline.org forward slash assurance. Request your copy right now and then join us next time.